Hello and welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod coming at you with our Week 15 Thursday Night Football Preview. If you're still listening, congratulations. That probably means that you have made the playoffs. If you are still listening and you didn't make the playoffs, kudos to you for staying plugged in even though you're out of it. That's uh, some impressive stuff there, guys. Uh, tell me about your playoff matchups this week, gentlemen. How uh, how many are we in? What are we thinking? How is the uh, How is the outlook for you guys? Take it away, Justin. Yeah, so uh, I have five leagues this year, and uh, I've made it to one. So we're there. <laughs> uh, and luckily, that one has Cody as my co-manager. So uh, the outlook this week, um, I'd say it looks pretty promising. But next week, uh, it's definitely going to be pretty tough. We're going to be going against that Kyle guy who's got everyone on his team and has projected 50 more points than anyone else for the next two weeks. So. Uh, it's going to be an uphill battle. I, I will say if we had one, <clears throat> excuse me, if we had one of those like good, like top level quarterbacks, our team would also be very stacked, but rolling with Tua and Ryan Tannehill into a super flex playoffs, uh, especially with some of their upcoming schedules are uh, a little concerning, but like I said, the rest of our team's pretty loaded. So, and we just beat the guy we're playing last week. So uh Pretty good juju going in. Just got to hopefully get past that semifinal round in that league. Uh, in our keeper league that the three of us are in together, or mini dynasty league as we refer to it, uh, I'm in the bye week, so luckily don't have to worry about that one too much besides hoping no injuries occur. And then in my work league, I am uh, currently projected to win by half a point um, in that league. So definitely probably going to be sweating that one out. Nick, I know you are in four matchups this week, right? Yep, four leagues, four matchups. So uh, a lot of a lot of good teams, not a lot of great teams, no bad teams, thankfully. But definitely going to be sweating it out this week. I have probably one matchup where I'm favored. The rest, I'm a slight underdog. So if we can if we can pull out two out of four, I think we'll be happy with that, and just hopefully take our shot in those semifinals. But uh, unfortunately, this week just a lot of bad matchups. Got to rely on Kenneth Walker tomorrow night. So that is that's the big guy that I am hoping uh, pulls through for me in a couple of my big ones. That is uh, that injury report was pretty promising today, but still really tough matchup against San Francisco that we will get into. Um, but before we do the Thursday night football preview, I want to just remind everybody to please uh, comment, subscribe to the videos on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform that you listen on. We always appreciate it. Like those Facebook videos, give us some comments. We'd love to do a Q&A session at some point. Cody, uh, we are going to do a little playoff def- defense primer. This might be for our friends that are, you know, by and buys like Cody is uh, that play in leagues with defense slash special team spots. We want to just give you some teams to, to look forward to, to pick up, you know, those extra bench spots don't matter a ton these days. You can go ahead and just plan for your matchups moving forward. So Cody, go ahead and take it away with your uh, defense slash special team primer. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, before I hop into this first one, also go follow the Twitter at fan TC pod, basically the, the exact name of the podcast, whenever you find it on your uh platform so been pumping out a lot of fantasy tweets this week and hoping to really get that rolling and kind of help build our audience a little bit on twitter so if you haven't run over there give it a follow be much appreciated but when we're looking at some uh playoff defenses i did throw a couple of week 15 uh options in here i would say if you are in the fantasy playoffs you probably you know already hit the waiver wires this week and you have your defense locked up if you haven't 
you need to get on that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend waiting on those kind of things. But couple de- couple lower level defenses with good matchups. We got the Vikings at in- or playing against Indianapolis in Minnesota this week. The Saints get Atlanta and Desmond Ritter's first start. And um, we also have the Cardinals that are playing at Denver with either Brett Rippon or Russell Wilson. We'll wait for those reports to come out. Um, I'd say that all three of those defenses are probably lower level. You know, definitely not one that you want to get locked in um, throughout the season. But when we're playing these matchups, these ones were widely available in my leagues. And I think that they could be plugged and played this week if you happen to miss the waiver wire on Tuesday. Uh, Nick, do you have any any discrepancies with these defenses or any of these matchups or any of the matchups scare you off of these defenses? No, not necessarily. Uh, I like the way you structured this where you kind of uh, you know put two feet defenses together that you could roster and have good matchups throughout the three weeks of the playoff schedule. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, these aren't all necessarily elite matchups, but you know, when you're combining two defenses for three weeks, you can't always have a top five matchup each time. So I think all of these matchups I'd be comfortable playing my defense in. And, you know, at this point you only have to, you only have to, you know, waste two roster spots on defenses rather than you know scheduling it out with three or, you know, at that point you might be dropping a backup that could become relevant in the next few weeks. Uh, the one thing I will add on to your, uh, schedule here is that I, if you are, you know, looking to just roster a couple defenses. Let's say the, the some of these uh, some of these defenses are not available in your league. I have some just individual good matchups for the next couple of weeks. This week, there's actually a ton of really good defense options just because of the way the schedules line up. Like you got New Orleans against Desmond Ritter in his first start. Sure, uh, the Jets defense at home against the Lions. I'd probably still roll with them because they're really good. Both the Steelers and the Panthers are good options. Uh, Chiefs at the Texans. Um, the Patriots at the Raiders, if you want to take your shot on a bad Derek Carr game. Uh, so there's plenty of options out there this week, honestly. Both the Giants and the Commanders are okay options. Yeah. Uh, the next couple of weeks, not really that much. Uh, Denver and the Rams, I think, is the, the easiest game to target next week. Both of those defenses are just fine. They're both good, and they both play. Uh, presumably, it's going to be the Brett Rippon and uh, Baker Mayfield Bowl on uh, Christmas, so thank you for that one, NFL. Uh, and then the other big one that I – see out there that isn't a defense that's just definitely going to be rostered is Tennessee versus Houston. Um, you don't even really have to explain this one very much. It's obviously the matchup, but Tennessee plays the Chargers this week, so I could see them getting dropped in some shallower leagues. And then if you're looking all the way ahead to the championship round, if you're that confident, kudos, but I have a couple options for you here as well. Kansas City versus my Denver Broncos, the game that me and Cody and Justin will have boots on the ground for. Uh, I like, obviously, Kansas City at home, they didn't play that well against Denver's offense uh, last week, but this is presumably going to be against, uh, you know, one, it's going to be on the road for Denver, and two, it could well be Brett Rippon if the Denver just decides to keep Russ out. And then Tampa Bay versus Carolina is the other one with a defense that might not be rostered. They play the Bengals this week. I doubt anyone's starting them, but Carolina at home, San Darnold on the road in Week 17, sure, I could take the odds that he gives me a pick six there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those are all really good options. And as Nick alluded to, I do have a couple of combos here. So if you're really streaming the position and you need someone again for this week, um, two of the ones I already named, the Vikings and uh, the Saints, actually have good matchups in Week 15 and 16. Uh, Week 16, the Vikings play the Giants. So, again, the Vikings defense isn't elite, but the Giants are really kind of coming back to earth. So you may just be able to kind of have a good matchup there. And then week 16, the Saints play at Cleveland. 
not as thrilled for that one, but we'll just see what Deshaun Watson does this week. You know, it may be three three straight bad weeks for Deshaun Watson leading into that game in which you feel more comfortable playing. And I like pairing either of those two defenses with the Jaguars who do get Houston in Week 17. So, <clears throat> excuse me, if you needed to lock two in, I think, like I said, either the Vikings or the Saints and then the Jaguars for that Week 17 matchup. And then if uh, for some reason the Jaguars are already taken, I think the Cardinals and Vikings are another good combo. You can play the Cardinals at Denver, the Vikings against the Giants, and then the Cardinals against Atlanta in Week 17. So kind of taking advantage of that Desmond Ritter matchup. But, um, yeah, I think – Really, it was it was really difficult for me to find defensive matchups that like I really truly liked. Even some of the better defenses don't have great matchups uh, throughout the fantasy playoffs. So, if you are not feeling comfortable with a defense, you know, any given week, I would definitely recommend going to go pick one up. Um, even if you are slightly looking ahead, you don't want to get to week seventeen and have to play, you know, a really good offense or anything like that. Yeah, I think this is definitely a good strategy to use, especially if you have a buy, because again, uh, bench spots don't matter quite as much anymore. If you're carrying a you know, wide receiver four or five that was just kind of a fill-in type, you can go ahead and drop them for a defense if it's going to give you a two or three point advantage over what you'd be looking at. Otherwise, just go ahead and do it. You need the you know, if you win on the margins with the fantasy playoffs in mind. If you lose once, you're done. So you just got to think about it that way. You just need to advance each round and give yourself a chance. Uh, yeah. But and, by the uh, way, if you're... Oh, go ahead. I'm go sorry. Ahead. I was going to say, if you are listening, I'm going to put a graphic together for this because that was probably a little difficult to understand now that I'm kind of looking back on how I explained yes. it. So I'm going to put a graphic out for this. If you're listening, check Twitter or Facebook and you'll be able to see it with the podcast posted. Yeah, that's a much easier way to look at this. I think it's just kind of hard to, to lay it all out without being slightly confusing because there's, you know, matchup components that go into it, different weeks we're talking about. But for sure. definitely uh, either, either re-listen if you need to or just go look at Cody's graphic on our socials. We'll uh, let you guys know uh, just in an easier form how to value these defenses. So I think that is it uh, for the defensive segment here. I think the last thing I have to say on this, if, you're, if your league still employs a defense slash special team spot, go ahead and just message your commissioner, ask them to change that to a flex spot next year. It's it's more fun, makes it more competitive, and kind of you know adds a little bit more skill to the game, in my opinion. But you know, if you what you think about that, Cody, I don't know if you like defense in some of your leagues or if you'd rather just go to flex and all of them, but that's that's what I would prefer. Yeah, I, I would rather just not have to worry about defenses in any leagues because like we talked about, I mean, you may have a, an elite level defense that just has an off day and it's just so unpredictable. Um, and even, I mean, just some random defense on any given weekend can have a pick six and a few sacks and they put up 20 for fantasy and I don't know. I think it does take a, it, it kind of takes the skill gap out just a little bit because you're not looking at like wide receiver threes on, you know, good teams. You're just putting the Patriots defense in and they had a really good day. It's just, it's more luck than skill based. So I'd say if you're in competitive leagues, get the defense out of there, throw an extra flex. If you're in just a four fun league and you kind of like that added, you know, I guess just possibilities, then the defense is fine. But uh, if again, if it's a competitive league, I'd recommend booting it out of there and, and adding the flex or a third wide receiver even possibly as well. Sure. Either way, a hundred percent agree there. Most of the time those extra flexes ends up being, end up being wide receivers, but totally agree either way. Rather have the extra, you know, skill position spot in there instead of the defense, but uh, let's go ahead and transition to our Thursday night football action here. We have a 
somewhat important divisional battle, uh, like a surprisingly important, it's more than somewhat important, it's extremely important for especially the Seahawks, but it's San Francisco at Seattle. Seattle favored by, uh, excuse me, the uh, the San Francisco 49ers are favored by three and a half. I have that wrong in the doc, but uh, at on the road against Seattle with Brock Purdy as their quarterback, they're favored. I'm a little surprised uh, that they got this many points at home. I think if I'm choosing on the line on this game going in, I would take the Seahawks at over three and a half uh, and then, excuse me, at covering with three and a half points and then the under on 43 and a half. Uh, Cody has been well well-voiced on the, you know, primetime unders and a divisional matchup that just seems like the way to go here. What do you think? Yeah, I 100% agree with you on the Seahawks side. I was actually looking at some bets to place right before we hopped on here. And and on FanDuel, at least, Seahawks minus th- or Seahawks plus three. Um, that one scares me off of it a little bit. I really like to have that extra hook at the three and a half. So um, I'd say if it's at the three, I'm a little bit more scared off of it. But if you do get the hook at three and a half, I would absolutely hit that number. And then, yeah, the under is just the easy bet here. I think divisional matchup, one of them has probably the best defense in the NFL against a quarterback that's really proving it this year, but has been unproven up until this point. This just has a, you know, a 20 to 17 game kind of written all over it. And, you know, that may be on the higher end of points that get scored. So I, I love the under personally. Yeah, I think it would it would be in contention for my best bets if it was on the main slate, but we're going to have to settle for. Uh, there's actually a few that I like this week, so we'll get to that later. But definitely like the under quite a bit on this game, and then I would take Seattle at home plus the three and a half. Uh, like Cody said, that, that hook on the three is probably the most important half point uh, that is out there for lines in football. Um, I'm going to go through my best bets. I have some long shot ones here today, actually, that I like a little bit. Uh, The last one, I'm not so keen on. The first two I like quite a bit, though, especially this first one. Uh, That's Kenneth Walker, two uh, anytime touchdowns. That just means receiving or rushing. And then Christian McCaffrey, two anytime touchdowns. And then the over of 43 and a half. Uh, All of those seem rather unlikely, but you get plus 2,500 on that. Usually you don't see uh, three, you know, relatively achievable legs in a plus 2,500 parlay. You got to get to, you know, four or five legs for that to get up to plus 25 usually. But um, I I could just easily see all of these happening. I mean, obviously Kenneth Walker playing a really tough run defense, but I I think if the Seattle Seahawks get, you know, inside the five yard line, he's going to get two cracks at it more often than not. And then McCaffrey's, you know, one of the best running backs in the league. He scored two touchdowns two times for the Seahawks or for the 49ers in six games. And he plays one of the worst defenses in the league against running backs. And if both of these guys get to two touchdowns, I feel like the over is a pretty safe play at that point. So really it's only you're looking at the first two. And if you get there, you got a 75, 80% shot of hitting that third leg. So I think at uh, plus 2,500, even though both of them are unlikely, I like this bet pretty, uh, pretty much. How do you feel? How do you feel about it, Cody? Yeah, and um, I was going to ask you this whenever we got to the fantasy side of things. I guess, so you're you're 100%. Obviously, I know you have a lot of stock in them, so it probably persuades you a little bit. But you're 100% confident with Kenneth Walker going into this game? Like, not concerned about re-aggravation, not concerned about limited snaps or anything like that? I, I don't think there's going to be a limited snap situation going on. He has no injury designation coming in. I think re-aggravation is certainly a concern, but... You know, it's it's adding in a variable. I don't know if it's really affecting me in a plus twenty five hundred bet situation. I Fair. think if we, you know, when we talk about Walker later, we 
probably knock him a little bit because of the injury concern. But you know, I mean, the Seahawks took him off the injury report, and uh, I, I feel like they're usually pretty candid with how their players are doing. So I, I think that you know they really could have played him on Sunday, maybe, and then they just said, "Let's save him for the more important game this this following Thursday." So I'm hoping that he is good to go. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey, I actually placed a bet right before we hopped on here to, for him to score two-plus touchdowns at plus 360. So Seems I'm like 100% on the McCaffrey train for sure. No Debo. Um, yeah, I, I could just easily see that happening. Yeah, the Kenneth Walker one, again, that's that's more of a gut call, but you're you're 100% right with if you're going to go ahead and put the, the Kenneth Walker and McCaffrey two-plus touchdowns, just throw that over on there as well because the odds of them both hitting two touchdowns and the under-hitting – Probably pretty wild. So, um, yeah, I I don't mind it. I'm probably going to stay away from this one. Just want to see Kenneth Walker back out there before I put my money on him. But at plus 2,500, I mean, it's not it's worth the shot. And this next one, I won't get into too much detail. It's a lot of legs, and, uh, you know, it's probably fairly unlikely. But if you're confident Seattle's going to win this game like I am and you think they could uh, – you know, put up some decent offensive production on the 49ers. I have a Seahawks win, a Seahawks first quarter win. So those two things obviously correlate pretty well. And then a Kenneth Walker touchdown, a Travis Homer touchdown. That would be the the other running back in that backfield. And then a DK TD. Obviously very unlikely, but you get plus 3,500 action on it. I, uh, you know, I can see them winning this game 21-17. You just got to hope you hit the TDs there. And these are three of the four or five biggest offensive pieces in Seattle. So not much to go in on here, just a long shot bet if you want to take it. Yep, I I agree with what you say there. Uh, we don't really got to go, go too far into that one. And then, like we said, we like 21-17 for this game one way or the other. I'm not sure, but if it's Seattle uh, and you get Seattle over two and a half touchdowns, a Seattle first half win and then under 43 and a half, you get plus 1100 on it. Again, a pretty uh, far shot on this bet, but one, three things that I could easily see happening with the way we see this game going. So uh, not bad odds there. Yeah. Nope. Not bad odds there for what you're putting together. Um, my only concern there would be if you're giving the Seahawks at least 21 points, then, you know, you obviously have them winning the game and the 49ers getting 20 or less, which, I think I'd probably have it going the other way. If I could bet, you know, San Francisco over two and a half touchdowns, you know, maybe them first half. Seattle under, under two and a half. Or, yeah, yeah. I, I can yeah. see. It's just, that's what I, in my, the way I right. see the game going, I do see it being a pretty close game. But if the under's going to hit, I mean, I'd be, oh, man, I guess it could happen. But if the under's going to hit, I have a hard time seeing Seattle getting three touchdowns and, and San Francisco being held to under 20 points. That's just, I don't see the right. game necessarily coming out that way. Those two things seem unlikely to happen together. I know FanDuel does give you know a little bit of a boost for these reverse correlations where you know two of the events seem yeah. like they would contradict each other to it a bit. But uh, yeah, you might want to look at San Francisco under two and a half total touchdowns instead of the Seattle over two and a half if you wanted to bet on Seattle winning this game. Uh, you know, like this parlay would suggest. But anyway, uh, let's go ahead and get into the actual game here. I think there's actually a lot of interesting discussion to be had, especially on the Seattle side, but we'll start with the 49ers here at the quarterback position. Brock Purdy has been pretty damn good so far in his first, uh, you know, start and a half in the NFL played most of that game against Miami, but I'd call him a solid two QB option. Uh, it's not a great matchup against Seattle, but this offense just schemes up a lot of easy throws and I think I'd be okay throwing him in, in a super flex. How do you feel? 
Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. The Seahawks haven't been too good against quarterbacks. So in the two QB, you know, league, if you know you had Jimmy Garoppolo who got hurt, or you know, a Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson who's questionable, I, I don't mind throwing Brock Purdy in there. Well, Lamar's questionable. I don't think there's really any chance of him playing this week. So if that's your kind of situation, I think Brock Purdy is a fine two QB option. Uh, but even in the you know decent matchup, I mean, is there any chance you put him in a one QB situation or are completely off of him there? That's funny. I was actually just scrolling through all these games, seeing if there's anybody I would play him over. Uh, if you would, you start him over Derek Carr against the Patriots? <laughs> yes, I, I think I would. Okay, well that's relatively in consideration. Then I would say, would you start him over Tyler Huntley at the Browns? No, I, I think that both of them have really good matchups, and I, Tyler Huntley just has the has more of a chance to get some kind of points on the ground. This may just be a game where the 49ers don't need Purdy too much. They may be able to kind of run this one out, you know, relatively quickly. So uh, I think I'd still lean Tyler Huntley there, but a little bit that's a little bit questionable just because you don't know his status completely going into that game game so you're kind of losing your yeah. secondary option if you're rolling with Huntley and Purdy so maybe see if anything comes out about Huntley tomorrow if it's positive wait for him if it's negative then I'd, I'd throw Brock Purdy in there probably Huntley uh did he has a concussion I believe so I think if he's cleared he should be good to go but that's a good point either way it's a it's a low over under game and I think there's a lot of there's a low there's a low ceiling for or low floor for Huntley definitely that does maybe not exist for Purdy uh, but let's move into the the other San Francisco options. That's uh, the two minutes on Brock Purdy for you there. Really hard-hitting analysis here. Christian McCaffrey <laughs> might be the RB1 on the week. Uh, he's obviously in your lineup if you have him. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, I think probably would have been, again, he's more of that borderline wide receiver three that just keeps coming through week to week, even though he has you know low target games, but it doesn't seem to matter. With no Debo, I think I'm pretty comfortable with him. It's a tough matchup because these uh, the Seattle corners are pretty good, but he's target condensation with no Debo makes me think uh, that he's going to be just fine. I would put him in there as a high end wide receiver three. Uh, how are you feeling about Ayuk? Are you more bullish, or are you right about where I am? Uh, I'm probably just slightly more bullish. I'd say he's probably a low end wide receiver two for me, right on that wide receiver three border. Um, I, I think that he's a great play for this week. The, Seattle is eighth against fantasy wide receivers, so definitely not like a super juicy matchup. But uh, with no Debo, I mean, they're just going to have to give some op- more opportunity to both Ayuk and uh, the next guy we're going to talk about. So if you've been riding with them so far, you better have a, re- a pretty good option to replace him at this point because you, you would think his fantasy value is higher now than it was you know, even going into last week. Yeah, I, I the only thing that concerns me here is that San Francisco, if they if they had their way, they might have Brock Purdy throw the ball, you know, 15, 20 times. The Seattle defense has been pretty susceptible to the run. So McCaffrey and the running game get going. IU could just get four or five targets and he's been coming through on those four or five targets, but it scares me in the playoffs. You might get like a you know, a two for thirty with no score and that could just kill you on Thursday night. That is uh, yeah, 100% like, possible. It is, but his you know, all wide receivers have variants, and without Debo, I'd, I'd have a hard time sitting him for sure. Yeah. Uh, George Kittle gets a little bit of a bump up as well, just sort of the same thing. Uh, he really hasn't seen much in the way of target volume with Purdy here, but with no Debo, I'd, I'd be really hard-pressed to sit him. Seattle is a great matchup, too. 
Yep, I got a couple of uh, tight ends here for you to kind of find our George Kittle line. I will also say last week's low volume is maybe a little bit concerning, but they didn't really have to throw the football past the second quarter. So if you look at their wide receivers, a lot of them had pretty low volume just because they weren't throwing it very much last week. Um, But for this week, first first name for you has one of the best matchups, Greg Dulcich against Arizona. Would you ever consider him over George Kittle? That's so close. Um, I think I think I would lean Kittle, but that's that's really close right there. I think I think if you could ask me another I could, uh, another name or two in that area, I could give you a good line. All right, another one I have here in this area: Pat Fryermuth at Carolina. His is complicated because he's got a foot problem. He only played I think fifty five percent of the snaps last week, so he's been actually losing time because of this injury. I think if he's questionable leading into the game, well, you're not going to know. Uh, I think I would just lean Kittle because of the injury situation, unless he gets in a full practice tomorrow or something. In that case, I would go with Fryermuth if he was healthy. Gotcha. Sounds good. Um, got Fryermuth over him. Greg Dulles, which is pretty close. Dallas I mean, Goddard. this one. Oh man, yeah. Would you play Dallas Goddard over George Kittle? Dallas Goddard, yeah. If he comes in healthy and he's active, okay, again, you're. It's that's another tough one. It's Thursday night, you're not going to know, but. Um, I I think I am playing Dallas Goddard if he especially if he gets in a full practice tomorrow, which I think is possible. I would I'd play, I'd rather have Dallas Goddard if I knew he was going to be healthy. So I guess got to play Kittle if he's still questionable. But if, if Dallas Goddard comes in with a full practice tomorrow, I just have more confidence that he is, you know, in an offense that's going to throw the ball and has a you know an MVP level quarterback right now. That's yep. just definitely going to get some guaranteed passing yards. Awesome. Yeah. No, I think we're at a good line with George Kittle. I mean, he's, he's in there over any of the guys you're kind of looking at streaming and even kind of the lower end, end starters if you have two tight ends on your roster. So he hasn't really fallen too much, even with the arrival of Brock Purdy, I'd say. I think that's all we have for San Francisco's options. Cody, if you want to go ahead and take it away with Seattle's side. For sure. Let's go ahead and start here. Probably the uh, the longest conversation we're going to have is around quarterback seven, Geno Smith. Um, quarterback seven on the year, obviously. Hard to do it, but I'm going to try and avoid Geno this week if you can. Um, the 49ers defense is currently fifth against opposing quarterbacks. Uh, I will say, you know, with the Seattle team, they do have two elite wide receiver options. And surprisingly, the 49ers do give it up a little bit to the wide receiver. So there is a chance Geno is just able to get a couple touchdowns and be like a streamable level quarterback this week. But for those who have been relying on Geno, just wanted to throw some names out there and see if we're willing to go, you know, from Geno to this other guy. The first one, Trevor Lawrence, is going to be playing Dallas this week. Would you play him over Geno Smith? Uh, I would take Trevor. Uh, I don't. I haven't. I have a pro Geno Smith take at the end of this, but uh, in short, I am knocking him down a little bit. You can go ahead and ask the rest of the names, though. I take Trevor over Geno. Okay. Yep. I again, I'm not trying to be anti anti Geno Smith. I think what he's done has been no. You're all good. Year. Just he he is an avoid for me this week. Uh, next one, Mike White versus Detroit. Love the matchup. As long as, uh, again, I think I'd have to have a little confidence White is going to be healthy. It says he's he is suspected to play at this point, but if he's still questionable, I might go Geno because of that. But if I am confident White's going to play, give me White. All right. No, this is a guy that I think that I'm probably on the Geno side of. Jared Goff yeah. at the Jets or Geno Smith? I would go Geno Smith. That Jets matchup is very scary, especially on the road. Cool. Last one, Aaron Rodgers on Monday Night Football against the Rams. No, thank you. Give me Geno Smith. Cool. All right, let's hear that pro Geno take. 
Okay. Uh, I think this, I, I, you know, I, I like what I've seen from Geno thus far this year. Like you said, the two wide receivers kind of give him a floor. And I think either way this game goes, it's going to be, you know, okay for Geno Smith. I just like that you have a high floor here with him. I would not necessarily, like I said, I think I've seen some, you know, making the pivot to the lower level guys like Rogers and Goff over Geno. I, I think you definitely got to knock him down to more QB 11 or 12 range instead of seven or eight where he's been so far this year. But I think he can still be played. You don't got to totally avoid him. Uh, you know, if the the, if the 49ers come out, start winning this game in the first half, Gino will have to throw, or the Seahawks will be leading in most likely large part because of Gino. Uh, you know, this running game has been inefficient, and the 49ers defense is the best in the league against the run. So if they're gonna go, if they're gonna make any headway, it's gonna be with those wide receivers, in my opinion, at least in a yardage perspective. So I think I'm okay with Gino, not necessarily a total avoid for me. Yeah, no, that's a good take. I, I think that um, if you're pivoting too low, like you said, to an Aaron Rodgers or a Jared Goff, maybe just rethink what you're doing there. But um, as good as he is, when you're playing the 49ers, you know, definitely take a look and see what kind of pivot options you may have available to you. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, he does have a pretty safe floor, and we'll get into the basically the reason why here in just a little bit. Um, but first guy or the running back room, the main guy, I guess, now to talk about with the injury designation coming off is Kenneth Walker. Um, I, I already have, I guess we know where Nick is. Nick is pretty confident with him, obviously coming in with no injury designation. The Seahawks are not giving you a reason to be unconfident. I guess I just wanted to ask Nick, where do you think you would label Kenneth Walker at? You know, is he a wide receiver or running back two for you? Flex level confidence, kind of where's that confidence level going into tomorrow night? Um, I'll call him an RB2 with a tough matchup and the slight injury worry. But uh, again, I think he probably could have played last week. It was a game-time decision. They just decided to hold him out. I think they probably decided early that week that they were going to hold him out for that Panthers game. Thought they could steal a win. They ended up losing that game, actually. But um, thought they could maybe steal a win there against a 4-8 Panthers team at home. And then this huge divisional matchup against the 49ers have him, you know, ready to go. So I, I think he's going to be fine. I think they, they took him all the way off the injury report today. That's a great sign. I think he's 15 to 20 carries. It's a really tough defense. So you knock him a little bit, but you know, a, a very talented young running back getting 15 to 20 touches is almost impossible to avoid. Uh, so I'd say solid RB two. Yeah. All right. I, I can agree with that. I'd say he's probably a little bit more. I, I personally think he's a little bit more boom bust than you probably do, um, even with the 15 to 20 carries. This is just the number one defense against running backs. And even without the injury, the defense alone kind of you know would make this a scary matchup for Walker. So it does kind of give me a little bit of a bust feeling for Walker this week. Um, maybe more just the way I see the game going. I just maybe um i'm just a little bit where more would you for him. where would but, you rank him this week in running backs if you had uh, just like so, a rough estimate you don't have to give me a number but yeah no i so i have my my list here of just like the the excel file that i download of running backs and i don't have them listed because i wasn't shown his injury but if i had to like draw a line of where i play him over um i mean i'm playing him over Najee harris i'm playing him Probably right at actually probably right at the Travis ETN line, which is a mid round mid level running back too. Um, I just think he's a little bit more boom bust because we're not you know the matchup's tough, and um, like I said, with the, him coming off the injury, it's just it's still a little bit concerning to me. Would you play Kenneth Walker or Raheem Mostert against the Bills? Oh man, I think this one was asked on another podcast earlier today, and. Uh, 
I think a couple people said Raheem Mostert, but I don't know if I could do You'd that. Be I mean, foolish to play. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, you can't do that. I, I, ha- I would have on the line that I drew for him. Raheem Mostert, I have as a low end running back too, and he's actually the last guy on there before we flip over. So I am not very confident in Raheem. Um, I haven't looked too much into the status of um, Jeff, Jeff Wilson. Wilson. Looks like he's probably not going to play. Probably not going to play. Let's say so, he doesn't play. I'm still is, no, yeah, no way I'm going Yeah, to. even if he doesn't play, you can't go Mostert. It's going to be a tough matchup, and we've already seen with Miami when they get behind, they're okay with abandoning the run game. At least they have been the past couple weeks. So I don't know how you'd feel extremely confident with Mostert. I mean, I would say he's a little bit lo- lower ceiling, lower floor than what you're going to find with Kenneth Walker if Kenneth Walker gets his full 15 to 20 carries, without a doubt. Rashad White versus the Bengals. Oh, I got to go Kenneth Walker there as well. I just – that off they, – they cannot run the football. Brian Robinson versus the Giants. Yeah, that's, he's right there, right at that Travis Etienne line for me. So, I would play really? both of them. Um, I think I'm going to go with Kenneth Walker just because the Giants is a very tough matchup as well. And, you know, Washington coming off the bye. Well, again, haven't looked too much into the status of the other guy there. Um, why is his name blank? I mean, now uh, – Antonio Gibson, is he yes, injured? Yes, they're both or? limited. I think they're both like limited and expected to play. So Okay, so then, then yeah, Brian Robinson play. may come down a little bit on my rankings just because they may get uh, Gibson a little bit more involved if both are limited in practice. So I'd still go Kenneth Walker. Okay, last one for you. Rank these four players for me. Okay. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Kenneth Walker, and Brandon Ayuk. Half Ooh, PPR. Half PPR. Um... I'm gonna go, man. That is that's tough. I, I I just don't really like Brandon Ayuk very much. He just is not the kind of fantasy player that I enjoy having on my team. So I'm gonna slot him at four because he'd be the last one that I want to have. And then I think I would go Tyler Lockett at three, Kenneth Walker at two, DK Metcalf at one. Um, but I would say Lockett and Walker are both very close. I think both of them. And we're about to get into the wide receivers. I'm very very excited to play both those guys, but um, you know, again, with Kenneth Walker, if he gets his full allotment of snaps, even against a tough defense, he's going to be able to to produce. It's just hoping that he's able to get there, um, and, and hopefully that they are in the in a game script to where he's being able to get all those attempts. Yeah, I uh, I think we I know that was an extended Kenneth Walker conversation, but I feel like it's been one I've heard a lot of questions about. So I just wanted to establish our line pretty clearly there, both on the flex level and the RB level for anybody wondering about him, because he's obviously probably on a lot of playoff teams for one, because you picked him up midseason and he's been fantastic. And, you know, it's a Thursday night game. So you just you have to know going in what your decision is going to be there. Uh, sure. Cody, you can go ahead and throw it to the wide receivers now. Yeah, absolutely. So the wide receivers, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, um, as I kind of alluded to earlier, this is where the 49ers can be exploited a little bit. Currently 21st in points giving up to the wide receiver position. So a little bit of a deep breath for, you know, fantasy Seahawks players here. Because worst case scenario, Kenneth Walker may get a couple goal line opportunities because they, they hit a couple bomb passes or something like that. So. Um, That's what I'm banking on, buddy. Yeah, for sure. That's what we're banking on, my man. So (laughs) I don't think there's going to be any argument about the wide receiver. I think both are smash plays. You're not going to really take either of these two guys out of your lineup. They've been producing all season long for you. Just kind of want to show you as to why that is the case. So 
The Seahawks have been amazing for fantasy football. Tyler Lockett, his stat line for the year, 71 receptions on 99 attempts, just under 900 yards, eight touchdowns. DK Metcalf, 72 catches, 110 uh, attempts, 869 yards, six touchdowns. Marquise Goodwin is the next best in each of those categories for the wide receiver position. Only 25 catches on 33 attempts for 377 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, they have basically been funneling their pass game through Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, which for fantasy owners, especially those two guys had a lot of question marks. I mean, DK Metcalf was falling like crazy in drafts before the season started. Um, I mean, definitely probably some league winners there. So Seahawks, they're doing it right for fantasy football. So you got to appreciate that. Yeah, you absolutely hit the nail on the head here, Cody. This is a great stat here. Uh, I think this just reminds you that those offenses that have the you know two targets rather than three, those are usually it's usually the big number there. There's a couple teams like the Raiders that just target one guy like crazy, but for the most part, it's either two or it's three big targets. And even you know, you know, I wouldn't I would call them even above average for for a passing offense, but still, even mid level to lower level passing offenses can produce relevant guys with two main targets and those Goodwin stats are probably even, you know, uh, I was surprised when I saw inflated. Yeah. They're probably inflated a little bit because he's, you know, there's been a couple of games where one of those two has gotten banged up and he's gotten, you know, probably at least five or six extra targets on the year. So that's, that, that's kind of makes it even more crazy, but definitely start both of them. Absolutely. And then uh, just our weekly segment here for Seahawks tight ends, just a reminder to not play these guys. So if you have Noah Fant yeah, or for some reason, don't know Fant yourself do not, playoffs, don't, don't do that to yourself. So. No, no, um, no. Nick, I do want to throw it back to you. Um, I don't think we hit it before we started. Do you want to run through the injuries that you have listed on this podcast? Yeah, I'll, I'll hit them real quick. Uh, I, again, I, I kind of – I always just even wonder if I should do Wednesday practice reports because they are mostly meaningless. But there are a few that stuck out to me that you know are maybe slight changes or you know are things that might have some bearing that didn't have bearing coming in today. But Justin Fields missed practice for the Bears with an illness, so just keep an eye on that. He should probably be fine this earlier in the week. Kenneth Walker, like we talked about ad nauseum, he has no injury designation going into Thursday, so he should be good. Uh, obviously, you no. Know, Coming off that ankle re-aggravation is possible, but if they're not giving him an injury designation, i got to play him. Amari Cooper has missed Tuesday and Wednesday. He plays Saturday, so those are more like Wednesday-Thursday practices for most people, so keep an eye on that. That is a legitimate concern. He was kind of limited with that hip and re-aggravated at mid-game, so that's one I would keep an eye on for sure. Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, limited Wednesday. They play Sunday night, so uh, just keep an eye on that one. That's That doesn't mean much. Jets expect Mike White to start. That's good news. Nico Collins does not practice Wednesday. That's more for the people uh, that picked up Chris Moore. He could be a viable option against the Chiefs. Tyler Huntley practices in full Wednesday. That's great news for him, but he has a concussion, so it's all going to come down to whether he clears the protocol. And then T. Higgins was limited in Wednesday after leaving the game early on Sunday. I was surprised to see him out there at all. So that's pretty good news for T. Higgins owners, I would say. Yep. All right. So the reason I wanted to hit at least on that first line there, if you have uh, Brock Purdy or Geno Smith, are you playing either of those guys over Justin Fields with the news of his illness and him being day-to-day, or are you just going to hold out and hope that he is uh, healthy come Sunday? Uh, no, I think you got to go Justin Fields. He offers far more upside. And I honestly, the illness plays almost zero into my consideration in that circumstance. I think he'll be fine. I think the illnesses are worries when they pop up on Friday or Saturday, but 
They've got a team of doctors on this guy. I think I think we can get him healthy enough to play in a game four days from now. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, then I do think Chris Moore, if he uh, made it through waivers this week and nobody picked him up, I do think he may be a good uh, good option to stash if yep. you have a, a questionable player going into uh, Sunday. So I would definitely go check on him. The rest great, of this doesn't concern me week. too much, except for Amari Cooper. Let's see what happens on Thursday if he is still uh, you know misses or comes back to a limited fashion. May they fire up uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones this week in Baltimore. Wasn't planning on yeah, doing thought, that with that tough matchup, but, I mean, if he's going to be the main guy again, you saw what he did last week. I thought that was slightly interesting because he plays Saturday. So those practices, oh, again, are going to be more right. like they, they're a day in advance. So uh, I, I think that's more like he missed Thursday. And in that case, I'd be a little worried. Usually, sometimes miss Wednesday practices mean absolutely nothing. Usually a miss Thursday practice indicates a legitimate injury. So yeah. I'd, I'd be slightly concerned with Cooper. Yeah, at this point in the season, a missed Wednesday practice is basically just a day off for these guys. Exactly. <laughs> Most yep. of the time, unless they have an actual, like, re- real injury. Yeah. But, all right, I don't have anything else to add. Hopefully, uh, all your uh, bets cash, and unless you're playing me, Nick, or Justin in fantasy, hope you have a good night on Thursday. Yeah, we'll be uh, hopefully having a good time on the podcast tomorrow night. If Kenneth Walker throws a dud, I uh, you know I might have to have Cody host most of the show because I'm just going <laughs> to oh, be wonderful. pretty distraught. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Warm up those vocals, Cody, or uh, or I'm just going to take the whole thing and just be too excited to stop talking. So we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, sounds good. Peace out, everybody. See you guys. See ya.